Hi there, this is Chris Walter. I'm the pastor of New Beginnings Church, and this is our weekly sermon podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope this inspires you to grow in your faith and causes you to see God in your life in a new way. Enjoy the message. We continue our series this morning out of the book of Malachi. Continuing in chapter 1, we pick up in verse 6 through 14. Hear these words. A son honors his father, and servants their masters. If then I am a father, where is the honor due me? And if I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. You say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. And you say, how have we polluted it? By thinking that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not wrong? Try presenting that to your governor. Will he be pleased with you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now implore the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. The fault is yours. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that someone among you would shut the temple doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name is great among the nations. And in every place incense is offered to my name. And a pure offering for my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and the food for it may be despised. What a weariness this is, you say, and you snuff at me, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or is sick. And this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept from your hand, says the Lord. Cursed be the cheat who has made as a male in the flock and a vows to give it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is reverenced among the nations. This is the reading of the word of God. Amen. Amen. You know, have you ever noticed that with children in particular, they'll receive a gift a toy, whether at Christmas or a birthday or even just some other special random occasion. And then they're excited, they're overjoyed that they've received this toy, this gift that they've been waiting for for months or weeks or maybe even years. But it seems inevitable that within sometimes a few hours, typically a few days or weeks and maybe even months, that that beautiful, shining, new toy or gift that they had received, that the excitement is gone, waved away. That thing they received just sits on a shelf or in a box and is no longer played with or touched. Once gave them hours of joy and now nothing. Barely glanced at, barely touched, It's become the great collector of dust. The truth is, we adults are hardly any different, though. Now, our toys might be bigger and more expensive, but as children, when the new wears off and the excitement factor diminishes for us, we tend to ignore those same things that once had our attention firmly in its grasp. 
They become virtually worthless to us. We devalue them because they don't have that sparkle. They don't have that new interest in us. And the truth is that's inherently human. That new car smell is gone. The pipes in the new house are breaking and we've got to fix them. And all of that is no longer the same. But it's inevitable because material things are just things at the end of the day. And the plain truth is this, that all humans, regardless truly of age, we tire of the things that become commonplace. We cease to value them as we once did. It's unfortunate, isn't it? But it's not restricted to things. In fact, I would almost argue that the things are really a reflection of our spiritual lives in a way. Because the things that wear us down or the things that we lose interest in, well, they tend to float over into our spiritual lives. Worship is not as exciting as it once was for us. We're a little bored with what's going on, and so we want, we want new change. Some are okay with not changing at all, but most of us, most of the people in the world want entertainment, don't they? They go to church because they want to receive something. They want to walk back out the doors because they want to have something to take home with them. Our society has become an entertainment society. I'll come to your church if you give me good entertainment, if you give me good music, if you give me a good message every time, if, if I feel that when I leave, I wasn't wasting my hour when I could have been sleeping or reading the newspaper or getting some things done around the house. But in truth, that's not what worship ever is or ever has been. Because worship in particular, it's only good if we give our full attention. We pour our full devotion and value into it. That is when it becomes important, valued. That's when it has its newness. One time I met an individual and, and his family and they had started attending a church. And I asked him, I said, how's it going? And he said, oh, it's so wonderful. The people are nice. They make sure we have the bulletins. They show our kids to their spaces. They, they do all these great things every Sunday. It's wonderful. We're, we're so enjoying ourselves. That's great, I said. A few months later, I ran into him and his wife in the grocery store. And I asked them again, I said, how is your, how is your new church going? Is it, are you still enjoying it? And the response was, yeah, it's still good. The response wasn't as excited as the first time I met them. But they were still enjoying it. About a year later, I ran into them once again. And we were talking and... 
the wife said to me, yeah, we, we're, we're trying to find a new home. A new home? I thought they were moving physically. And then she elaborated a little more and said, no, no, we're, we're trying to find a new church home. And I said in disbelief, well, what happened? You were so excited. Well, yeah, but, you know, music's not as good as it was when we first got there. And the sermons seem to drag on a little bit longer now. And I mean, it's just, it's just not, not what we first experienced. I said, oh, my. Sorry to hear that. Before we departed ways, I turned to them and I said, well, you know, you do realize that worship is not about you. That your time in that sanctuary has nothing to do with you, but with God. What if you're, the church you're at didn't sing? Well, I don't know. We would like that. We, we like some good music and we like, I said, I understand that's what you like. But what are you there for? Well, it's to give to God. And that's to give to God your whole heart. Our passage this morning out of Malachi is referencing this giving that we give. Not, not our financial gifts, as it alludes to, but also how we worship God. Do you come into worship and worship with your whole being? Your whole heart? Or do you just show up and worship a little bit? Thinking of your grocery list or what you have to do this afternoon. Truth is, we all do that. But real worship. I think worship itself should cost us something. It should cost us time. Yes. It should cost us energy. I think it would be okay if we all left a little more tired than we came. Not sleepy tired, but emotionally tired. Because we sang our hearts out. We truly prayed. We gave it our all. Not for us. Not for those sitting around us. But for the one for our God, for his son, Jesus. You see, worshiping God, it has to have value, doesn't it? Yes, it must be important, but it must be a value that we come and we give. Those plates go by, it's not about just putting something in it, it's about standing in those plates. We are here this morning to worship and praise God. And so as we look in these these words from Malachi, God charged the, the people of Israel to practice worship, but not a worship that was worthless, but a worship that was giving of them all. He looked around and he and he was in a sense sad, not mad or hurt. It opens up from from Malachi and he says, if a son or any child for that matter honors their parent and their servants honor their masters, then why should God be any different? 
God even asked the people of Israel, well, where's my honor due to me? Why aren't you honoring me as you sit and worship? Why do you let your mind wander to the things that of the world are not nearly as important as I am in your life? And he goes on to say, if, I'm, if I am a master, where is the respect due to me? Here he talks to the priests who, who during this period were offering whatever they could because they just wanted to get in and get out. The priests of Israel are like, well, we, we have this. Let's, this one we don't want, so let's just, let's just give this one to God because well, it's the runt of the litter and we want the best of the best. So we won't worry about what God needs. We're just going to offer it up and go on because we're going to hold on to what we need, the priests say. God goes on for a few verses and talks about, you know, you go to the table and you offer up polluted food. Are you not showing the world that God really isn't as important to you as you say I am? Well, I think for all of us, we we have look at our relationship with God and how do we come into this experience to worship Him? Are we here out of obligation? Are we here for a desire to hear His voice? Are we here to sing praises to Him? Thanking Him for the past week and asking for strength for the week yet to come? Are we merely here out of obligation? Are we here because we know the presence of the Lord is here and when we gather as the body of Christ, we can sing just as the angels sing in heaven, regardless of what we might think of our own voices? Do we sing because we know we are part of a greater chorus? regardless of how our voices might sound in our own ears or even to our spouses or neighbors. We see these characteristics throughout this section of the reading out of Malachi. God wants us to give everything we have, our full heart, We can't go into worship and hold a piece back at the door wondering, will I get out in time for lunch? It's not what God wants. Don't worry, I'm not extending the service by a couple hours. You'll get to lunch today in time. I mean, I can go on and talk forever. But that's not what this is about. Because we want to give God everything we have in the moments we have to celebrate God. That's what this day is. And here's the good news. We receive something every time we worship with our whole hearts. And that is the grace of God. I fully believe and I've experienced it that when we come into worship and I've been guilty of it over the years of not worshiping God with my full heart. But when I do and I hear his voice, I feel his presence. 
I leave with more than I walked in with. I feel his amazing grace pouring on me. That's what I get out of when I go and worship with my whole heart. But I don't go in seeking it. A lot of times I don't even go in looking for it. I just give all that I have. And in turn, God gives me his amazing grace, his love for me. God in this passage will eventually argue with the priests. If you keep doing this, why should I honor all this? My grace is pouring out for you. And in turn, I ask that you worship and praise me. Me, he says. But sometimes there are things that hold us back from doing that. Sometimes it's sin. We know that for whatever reason we've done wrong in the sight of God and, and we beat ourselves up over it. Sometimes it's a very conscious thing we do and sometimes it's a very subconscious thing we do. We don't even realize we're doing it. But we might say, I, eh, I can't worship the way you're describing, Pastor. Because I don't have a good voice to sing with my whole heart. Or I don't like to sing at all for that matter. Okay. But God did give you a voice. God gave you the ability to sing. Your own personal judgment of how well you think you can do or not do is that's you doing that. That's not entrusting God. And you're creating a gap, a chasm between you and your Lord by telling your Lord, the voice you gave me isn't good enough. Sorry. We go to give and we're like, yeah, I'm, you know, maybe not today because so-and-so over there really hurt my feelings and so I'm not going to participate really in that anymore. And, you know, I'm only going to give a little bit to the church and when the church straightens up, then, then I'll give more, but... I'm not going to do that because I'm going to cast judgment on my neighbors. All of this, whatever the sin might be, uh, brings us away from God. And it does, I believe, cause our worship to make it harder to us to truly give all our adoration to God. To let it all out there. Because true adoration of God requires us to not just attend church, but to be the church. It doesn't require us to just hope the church gives to the community, but we be the vessels of that giving. It's not hoping someone else will step up and serve. It's finding ways that we can use our own gifts at the time of life we are to give and serve in this world, in this community. And it's most importantly when we come into worship, to worship with our entire hearts. Not worrying about whatever we have to do later on this afternoon or, or the next day, but just being present with God. If we do all of this, if we approach God with this reverence and adoration, we shall receive the comfort we always want, we always seek, and we'll be filled with a great joy. Wonderful joy.
What a weariness this is, you might say. But if we give to God, that weariness goes away. If we release it all to him and worship him with our entire hearts, I believe God will speak to us. And in doing so, we will be filled with his grace in a way that we never have before. And so may this year be a year of great worship for you. Not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week that you go and you worship God in all that you do, wherever you may find yourself. Amen.